1: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, the Bucks did not win tonight. Uh, they took the Raptors to overtime and lost one thirty-one, one twenty-seven. And uh, I guess uh, I'm trying to figure out exactly how to do this because I think the the final quarter and overtime probably require most of our attention so i'm going to try to get out a, a bunch of stuff as quickly as possible here so um just a rundown of the Bucks scoring blood 29 seven rebounds three assists four steals Giannis, 26 points nine rebounds seven assists middleton 18 points three rebounds two assists thon maker 16 points, 4 rebounds, assist, a steal, a block. Malcolm Brogdon, 15 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. Matthew Vadova, 6 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds. Uh, then John Henson, 10 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists. Uh, Kilpatrick also had 5. Tony Snell had 2. Um, on the other side, DeMar DeRozan goes for, I believe, a Raptors franchise record of 52 points on 17 of 29 shooting Five of nine from three, 13 of 13 from the line. Also adds eight assists, which is just mind-boggling to go for 52 and then also have uh, those eight assists. That is just a, an incredible night from DeMar DeRozan. Uh, the Bucks lose. And before we, we get into that final fourth quarter in overtime, uh, any general thoughts from the evening?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously you go into this game thinking the Bucks are going to have an uphill battle against a Raptor team that has been, you know, one of the best teams in the East are arguably, um, you know, in that discussion for like maybe the fifth best team in the league. Sort of when you think about, you know, if you still give Cleveland and Boston kind of the, the, the edge in uh, in the East, even though Toronto has been, you know, in terms of winning percentage wise, neck and neck with even the Celtics for the top spot. Yeah. Um, the Raptors have made their claim for obviously being right there in the East with those those kind of more familiar names uh, in Boston and, and Cleveland that have been you know, attracting more of the attention. Um, so you you know you expect that it's going to be difficult to beat this team. But um, you know the frustrating thing for the Bucks is they they had their chances and they you know certainly offensively played well enough to win this game. Um, put up an offensive rating of 117 tonight against uh, a team that is certainly capable of playing good defense. Um, but, you know, they just could not get stops down the stretch. And they also made some mistakes on the offensive end um, with some bad turnovers and getting pretty predictable, I think, um, in overtime as well. So, um, so, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, DeRozan obviously was great. But, you know, um, I, I think when I when I think back to this, this game, I mean, I think maybe two plays that you really regret. Um, the one is, you know, the Bucks trapped DeRozan a couple times late in the game. Um on on one of the final possessions it worked out, uh the Raptors, what it was, the Raptors last possession where they doubled him and forced him basically to the baseline and uh Toronto ends up getting basically a, you know, prayer Lowry airball three that it worked, but earlier it was extremely detrimental. They were up three and the Bucks trap DeRozan kind of in the center of the court and Um, Kyle Lowry ends up with a wide 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 open left wing three to tie it and um you know again like trapping is obviously become such a four-letter word in Milwaukee that you know I mean we we lose sight of the fact I mean there are scenarios where I think you should do it but in the middle of the court in that scenario when Kyle Lowry is a guy you're helping off of I mean you know I think you can kind of look back on that play and just say well what if they had just tried to play straight up you know how you know DeRozan was hitting tough shots tonight you know I mean I look back on what he did tonight and it's like well he got certainly a lot of calls um and some questionable ones uh especially you know in the fourth quarter and overtime maybe but um, he had a lot of good shots. You know, he had a lot of shots that you can probably live with him taking. And um, the Bucks again, tried so hard to get the ball out of his hands, and, and he you know, he made them pay on that shot that Lowry hit to tie it. And then um, the Bucks. We, we talked about the Hawks set the Bucks up running where basically like Delvedo is on the left wing and um, Giannis or a big sets a screen around the foul line and, and typically often Brogdon or Snell um, basically cuts towards the rim. And tonight we saw the Bucks running different variants of that. Um didn't have as much success with the alley-oops, but did get some some decent looks that way and also got some decent looks throwing over the top of the defense to Chris Middleton in the corner. But um it looked like they had they had Giannis spinning off um the foul line for or it looked like he had a step for an alley-oop. And Delhi just hasn't like ripped away or deflected. I, I couldn't exactly see exactly how he lost it, but um, he loses the ball with a chance to. to I think the was again. I don't know if the game was tied at that point, um, but you know, again, a huge play where the Bucks, you know, were trying to get a get a, a good shot, maybe win the game in regulation. And, um, and instead, they turn it over. I mean, Delhi that's Delhi's first turnover against 19 assists in the last two games. So um, again, not that he's been had any problems with turnovers lately, but um that one obviously was costly and um and then certainly, you know, those those are the two that kind of first come to mind. But certainly also, I mean the Bucks had what, they had it with three point two seconds left at the end of regulation. And um, you know, instead of running the throw it to Giannis at the elbow and just see what see what he can do with it. Um you pointed out they tried to run that play that got Middleton an open three a week ago late again think it was against the Hornets, right? Um and doesn't develop the way they want. Giannis is trying to set like a screen and then kind of circle back, maybe go for an alley-oop. And basically it ends up with Brogdon being like the, you know, 15th option, catching it 30 feet from the hoop and being smothered by DeRozan who played very good defense and basically prevented the Bucks from even getting a shot off. So, yeah, I mean, Bucks lost this game in, in regulation for sure, and then in overtime they just kind of ran out of gas. In spite of uh, Bledsoe hitting an, uh, an early three to put them up three on the first possession, and Bledsoe hitting another three later, but um, yeah, their chance was in over in regulation. And you know, for the vast majority of the game, they played well enough to win this. But uh, again, if you don't take your chances against a team like Toronto, you're you're not going to win. They're they're not going to give you that many chances.
1: All right. <clears throat> Alright, so to timeline all of this stuff a little bit, so uh, just so that we kind of have a general idea of how this game flowed, uh, what you were talking about there was uh, Bucks go up 112-109 with 108 left after Giannis hits a a step-back jumper on the left baseline. Uh, On the next possession, Drozen has the ball near the end of the shot clock uh, with his back to the basket and the ball inside the three-point line, and the only player on... So he's in the middle. The only player on the left side of the floor is Kyle Lowry. Only guy over there. There there might have been someone on the baseline, but only guy on the left wing is Lowry. Middleton had uh, Lowry on a switch, and they wanted to try to get some help sent that way. And it, it certainly looked like to me on the replay that from the sidelines, kid told Chris, go get him. And, well, DeRozan one, wasn't really a scoring threat at that moment, and he also wasn't a three-point scoring threat at that moment. Um, He was really only a two-point scoring threat. Uh, He just skips the ball over to Kyle Lowry because he was one pass away uh, because he was able to obviously make a, a pretty basic pass there Lowry hits the three goes up uh and then that's 112 112 that ties it up with 56 seconds next possession uh Bucks get the ball Bledsoe's able to draw a shooting foul are uh, able to draw a foul excuse me Bucks go up 114 112 next possession DeRozan draws a foul. Uh, Ball, ball game gets tied up at 114, then Delhi has the turnover you were talking about, it was that set that they, they really enjoyed running uh, tonight, and they try to run that, where he's just throwing it, kind of a one-handed skip pass over the top with his right hand, uh, gets the turnover there uh, with a steal from Lowry, then the Bucks again send a trap at, at Derozan, and this double makes quite a bit of sense. Because uh, as I tweeted out after that first trap, okay, if you want to double Derozan and you want to get the ball out of his hands, I can understand it. Like he's just killing you. He, He he has had a great night. I can understand wanting to get the ball out of his hands, but you can't do it off of Kyle Lowry. On this possession, it's a Fred Van Vliet pick and roll screen or pick and pop screen. Excuse me, with Derozan. The Bucks switch it. That puts Bloodzo on DeRozan, and then Middleton after switching on to Van Vliet just follows right along, and then that turns into a DeRozan off balance skip pass and turns into uh what's well, a shot clock violation when Lowry has to throw up a deep three. So it 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 was just a situation where you could tell the Bucks whole defense was one prepared for Middleton to trap, because they certainly weren't the first time. And then, two, they had the whole floor. Like, they were actively pushing DeRozan to a sideline, which obviously means that there's no one over there for him to pass to, and which means he has to come across his body to throw it where literally the other, let's see, seven players on the floor, they're all over there. Uh, So you're able to cover that up better. You're able to actually recover there. So you can just see one that makes sense... And one that just kind of was a, a gut feeling, I guess, that, okay, you you really want to get the ball in his hands, go get him. And just no one was ready for it, and you give up a three. So uh, I think those two uh, obviously stick out. And then you mentioned the the play there uh, at the end of the game, or at the end of regulation, excuse me, where the Bucks try to get the ball to Middleton for a corner three. The second part of the action is for Giannis to come back and get the ball. And obviously the, the Raptors kind of just blow it up. And I, I guess we have to rewind a little bit in that the Bucks decided to go small for the final uh, four minutes of the game. Middleton was waiting at the table and the Bucks decided to take out Henson. Uh, and they take out Henson. So then they roll with, uh, Delhi Delly Bledsoe Brogdon, Middleton and Giannis and Giannis. So that's that's their five that they roll with and it it surprised the Raptors. They were up 106-103, first played out of the timeout. Delhi, you you mentioned it on Twitter and tweeted it out that Delly sneaks up, sets a screen that somehow manages to f- screen I think five people. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and Giannis Cruises in for a dunk. All right, beautiful. Next possession down. Uh, I think the Raptors were still kind of struggling, uh, figuring out exactly where they all needed to be, who they needed to pick up. Deli gets loose for a transition three in rhythm on the right wing. He hits that, and the Bucks go up 108, 106. So it's a quick plus five, and you're thinking, okay, that that kind of caught the Raptors by surprise. And then the next possession, it wasn't as pretty Uh, and things started to go a little bit worse. But why I mention all of that for the final play of the, of, uh, of regulation is there's not really any screeners in that lineup. The only one is Delhi and Delhi was the inbounder on that play. So you, we just thinking through those players on the floor, it's, Like I said, you have Middleton, Giannis, Bledsoe, and Brogdon. None of those four guys are are really great screeners. Giannis might be the best one, but you want to get Giannis the ball. So you peel Middleton away uh, to the left corner. You peel Middleton or you peel Brogdon up to the upper right-hand corner, and then you're running a two-man game with Bledsoe and Giannis. And for all of the great things Eric Bledsoe does, he's not a screener. That That is not something he's all that interested in. Uh, so there there was just no way that Giannis was going to get the ball back uh, without the Raptors kind of blowing that action up. And uh, like you said, it, it turns into Brogdon ending up needing to force a, a heave up there that I don't even know if he got off. I'm not sure if they counted that as a shot attempt. It shouldn't um,
0: have been. I think it was after the clock, yeah.
1: So either way, he doesn't get off. 114-114, we go to overtime. A- and then... Yeah. Uh, we get to overtime, and Eric Bledsoe decides that it's his game and that he wants to win it for the Bucks. Uh So the first, I think, three possessions are all Bledsoe. Maybe the first... Uh, no, the first three possessions are all Bledsoe. Uh, he hits the three the first time, the next two times, misses a a pull-up three, and then... Let's see what else. I think he maybe passed it to... Brogdon laid in a possession, and Brogdon wasn't able to, to make a shot. And so you come up empty in those three possessions. Giannis not touched the ball yet. Then the next possession down, I think, is a Middleton wing post up, which ends up with Middleton making a nice play. They send a double. He kicks out to Bledsoe. Bledsoe hits a three. That gets it to 121-120. And then the next time down, it's a Middleton back down into a fadeaway jumper he misses that one then i'm
0: still amazed anybody ever done i mean mean, we talked about this the other day i'm still amazed that teams actually double middleton in the post like i don't know i mean i i'll I'll look up what middleton's post numbers are this year but it's just like i don't i don't care you know the bucks score 1.2 points per possession tonight Middleton's not hitting 60 percent no. of his shots in the post like yeah I don't care if he has Lowry on him or whatever I know he can get a decent look and you know he may be a better than average at that shot but I mean it's still a losing a losing shot from like an expected value standpoint but hey as long as teams want to keep doubling it that that's great um you know we saw that in Oklahoma City too um the Bucks got a, a, yep. a three-pointer out of a play like that as well nice ball movement but um but yeah tonight uh unfortunately in the overtime I think he also had that one that that uh he missed over i think it might have been lowry in overtime as well
1: yep so he misses that second one uh lowry goes down to the other end 125 120 you are uh three and a half minutes into overtime and Giannis. i don't believe has touched the ball other than maybe inbounding the basketball maybe he grabs it on a rebound but i don't think so so he hasn't had a touch yet then he gets a touch, and on that play, he decides to take a twenty-two foot pull-up. Uh, misses that one. Raptors get the. Well, rebound. he drew.
0: He drew a foul before. I mean, I w- I thought he was going to get free throws because it looked like Ibaka, didn't Ibaka like get him kind of as he was like going up, but they ruled it was on the floor. So then they take side out, and then he ends up settling for that jumper.
1: Yeah, but either way, you go three and a half minutes without Giannis getting a touch, and. Yeah. Um, One thing I kind of wanted to talk about uh, with Dean and I I just simply totally forgot about it is one thing that him and I have chatted about before is that sometimes it's difficult to create action for Giannis that the best action for Giannis and, and we kind of touched on it is that you don't want anyone coming in there to screen for him. You don't want anyone really being around him. You just want to give him as much space as possible and let him go, um, which kind of makes, uh, I think, late-game situations difficult because you don't want Giannis really settling for pull-ups. That's not a good shot for him. You want him going to the basket, but at the same time, you the best action for Giannis is not really any action. Or, you know what I mean? Like wh- When you're trying to think of the best things for Giannis, it's, okay, if you're going to play a small ball lineup, just iso the center on a night where you're playing the raptors that's not the best thing so it, it's just i think it's difficult to get him involved but waiting three and a half minutes to get him involved is inexcusable like blood and middleton have to do a better job of making sure he gets the ball jason kidd has to do a better job of making sure he gets the ball like you need to find a way to get him involved early in overtime
0: yeah. And I mean, you know, again, it's like if you can get Chris Middleton a post up, I mean, I, I'd rather see Giannis getting a post up than Chris Middleton just because Giannis can more justifiably collapse a defense and and create, you know, something even if he's not going to
1: score. So um, with, with so Ibaka, he, do you think that's true as well? Uh, I,
0: Yeah, sure. I, honestly, I don't really think anybody on that Toronto roster like I'm I'm not that, you know especially Middleton like he's you know he can he can't do anything better than a contested jumper um so I I'll take my chances with the yeah I don't think Abaka is like you know some gold standard man-to-man guy um I mean Ananobi I thought did a nice job tonight, but a post-up just, look well I mean post-up turns into a face-up whatever I mean you know it's probably okay, gonna be no, more I was of just state.
1: I was just trying to clarify because yeah. I don't know if a uh, Giannis post-up on Abaka is a is a look I love
0: well I mean I think it's depending on where he catches it's probably going to be more of a a face-up and then he he has the option of what he's what's he going to do right yeah. is he going to turn it into a back down and or a drive and a spin move or something like that yeah. but um but yeah I mean I think the um I, I mean Ananobi did a nice job tonight just sort of staying down just sort of staying within himself I mean the Bucs didn't really go I mean this was a problem early in the game for the Bucks too like they just really didn't look for Giannis and didn't really try to get him very involved and um you know the Raptors weren't Really giving him any angles out of pick and roll coverage to, to exploit, and that's the problem. When you know you fall, I, I tweeted you, know, you fall into this trap of being like, "Well, Giannis is really good as a pick and roll guy and as a roll man." It's like, well, that's true, but you know, uh, it's pretty easy for the defense to just say, "Like, well, we're not going to let the roll guy hurt us." And tonight, I, I don't. I'm trying to think if how many times Giannis got anything going to the basket out of a roll, um, and it just didn't really seem like there was much doing there at all, um, and and it was tough. And, and, you know, likewise, I mean, Ananobi didn't take a shot tonight. <laughs> um, just kind of stood in the corner most of the game, but Giannis didn't have a block or a steal. It's the third time in the last five games that Giannis has been held without a block or a steal. And, um, you know, uh, the Bucks have had a couple good defensive games here recently, but, um, you know, typically that's a sign of the Bucks being bad defensively because teams can basically put Giannis on an island uh, defensively as as well, not just denying the ball offensively, but put him on a on an island defensively. Um, but yeah, I mean Giannis didn't wasn't very involved in the first half really at all, um, and did get himself more involved in that third quarter and then fourth quarter as well. Um, but again, this is this is the challenge, right? I mean, you, you see a team like Toronto, um, you know working through to Rosen who, you know, even when he's not getting like high sort of like, you know, quote-unquote normal good shots by by sort of a normal metric um he's able to be a you know reliable source of offensive creation that way um and obviously Giannis is a totally different type of player but that's always the question if you're going to be the super duper star and obviously DeRozan is you know much more of a one you know offensive only type guy but um but you know that's the question for Giannis is you know how do you figure out ways to dictate the ball going through Giannis rather than just saying well hopefully we'll use him as a screener and then hopefully he can get open. And then, you know, if not other guys will have to do stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of a broader question. I mean, Giannis still ends up leading the team with 18 shots tonight, did get nine free throws, which was nice to see him actually get to line a little bit, but, um, he could have gone a few more times, especially I think in the third quarter, he got pretty, pretty hot after, um, he took some, took some hits and, and didn't get calls, which I think especially compared to some of the foul calls that DeRozan got was, was kind of frustrating for, for Bucks fans to watch. So, um, so, yeah I mean it's it's one of those things the honest thought also did a very nice job just moving the ball and you know he had um, I think four or five assists in the I think four or four assists in the first quarter again for the second straight game so kind of letting the game you know kind of come to him and um, doing a nice job kicking out um, and and getting guys involved so um You know, it's one of those things. Anytime you see uh, the other team of a guy score 52 and, you know, Giannis isn't the best player in the game, you think, man, how do we, you know, we, we know Giannis is the best player in the game, Mm -hmm. most talented guy in the game. So how do we, how do we make sure that every night he's, he's able to shine and and be the guy that actually is, you know, the best player in that specific game. So if that made, if that made sense, I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I
1: absolutely do. And, And I think that's part of what has been really interesting with Giannis this year is that, he's he's not he's not really like anyone else like no. they even when we we're even when we were chatting with dean about stuff is like how do you like who's your who's your example for him and like i just really struggle with being creative enough to think of ways to to get him a ball and draw that gravity other than like Go make some gravity, Giannis. Like, here's the ball. Um, it, because, th- like you said, when, when you watch DeRozan, it's like, okay, bring him off some screens. Uh, give him the ball and uh, have him run a pick and roll. And there's there's just, uh, I mean, it, it seems endless. It seems like there's a million ways to do it. And with Giannis right now, it's like, okay, well, uh, see if you can roll him into the post. Uh, see if you can get him a catch at the elbow. Um... See if you can give him the ball and somehow get him some space, um, and then I don't I don't know. It's just kind of it. And again, like I said, there's plenty of really smart people out there, so I'm sure other people can think of better ways to do it than I. But um, he he's just a he's just a strange package right now um, in that he scores a million points at the rim. So he's kind of, as I've said a number of times, no one has scored more points in the paint than, than Giannis in the last 20 years. Like Shaq is the most comparable player as as far as points in the paint. And, He's definitely not Shaq. <laughs> He's definitely not just getting touches on, on the block and going to work. Um, so I don't know. It's just something that I always find myself very interested in, um, just trying to think of more creative ways to do it. And um, at the same time, uh, the, I think the most interesting stuff we saw, and this is the strangest thing I think I'm ever going to say, is the most creative stuff we saw from the Bucks tonight was with the ball in Deli's hands. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was, there was uh, the, obviously the, the, that, I, that we were talking about where it, it's just up for, uh, up for Brogdon, that alley-oop look, which is, is a really high degree difficulty of play. Um, it's going to be tough to always get that pass to him, but what I thought they really did a nice job was, was turning it into double ball screen action on the left side, Deli handling the ball, Giannis and Brogdon come set a pick, Brogdon pops, Giannis rolls and then on the backside there was space They they ran some good stuff when it was Thon and Middleton on the backside and I guess to me that's probably the answer with Giannis is there absolutely has to be four shooters on the floor with him like that is how you actually create all of those looks. Like then those elbow touches become more uh, attractive than the, and I guess more difficult to guard as well. Uh, some of those post looks you can't really double him or come off of him, um, and, and even some of those iso looks look better as well. But I don't know. It, it's something that that I think we're learning more and more about as the year goes on, um, and something that ultimately, if you're if you're going to crack the the code to Giannis's best player in the NBA potential. like that You're going to have to figure that out.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at some of the other guys, I mean, for Toronto, I mean, the frustrating thing was, you know, and, and we talked previously about how Toronto's been so helped by their, their depth and yeah. the value they've gotten from their rotation guys. Um, tonight, it was kind of more of the opposite where, um Larry and DeRozan pretty much just carried I mean they scored 78 points between them um and you know they maybe got some contributions here and there um from other guys but you know Baca's five on a 19 0 for five from three um did block four shots I mean he made contributions defensively for sure um but certainly not like peak Serge Ibaka um we mentioned Ananobi playing good defense but you know doesn't even take a shot one point uh, in 35 minutes um Valanchunas wasn't really involved just because the teams went small for so much of the game. Um, and then the bench guys, you know, it, it was interesting. I mean, most of the bench guys for Toronto, other than. DeLon Wright the other uh, four guys were all minuses tonight and the Bucks actually all their bench guys were positive tonight which you know kind of what you, you probably wouldn't expect as much but um the Bucks actually you know did pretty well with their bench units tonight and um you know Thon Maker in particular a, a guy that obviously has you know not lived up to billing for much of the season uh goes four out of eight tonight um hits three out of four threes uh his other bucket was a Pretty damn authoritative alley slam from Della Vadova. His That's best it. dunk ever. Yeah, probably. Um, also hit five out of five free throws, four boards, uh, assists, steal, and a block in uh, 18 minutes. And he's a plus six, 16 points for, for Thon. So, so that was encouraging to see. He's had, obviously, um, between the playoff series last year. And then also, one of his early... Game action uh, spells last year came in Toronto when the Bucks I think were down big and he randomly came in um, off the bench and actually like energized them a bit. So um, you know again sort of Toronto being his home away from home, away from home um, where he played um, the last years of uh, of high school um, outside Toronto. It seems like it's a place where you know he gets up a little bit more up for games. And Matt Velasquez had I think an interesting quote uh, from Thon about kind of using this game as like I think he referred to as an eye-opener like feeling the need to kind of challenge himself after um, you know, the, the encouraging stuff that happened against Toronto last year and then not really being able to replicate that so far this year. So uh, we'll see. I mean, hopefully that maybe is something that, you know, hopefully carries over a little bit moving forward. Cause obviously on shooting Thon shooting the ball, you know, hitting three corner threes and scoring and, and rebounding and doing good stuff, obviously would be very welcome. So good to see that from Thon and, and Malcolm Brogdon as well, 15 points I and mean, did take 13 shots, but um, but obviously he was uh, also a pretty contributor, you know, weaseling his way around the baseline and finishing on both sides of the rim uh with either hand was was doing his thing so um i I just kind of highlight those two guys uh as as definitely being major pluses tonight um i think other guys i mean sean Sean Kilpatrick hit an early three um also had a couple of pre-throws i i thought it was weird though that jason kidd goes with jason terry for the first five minutes of the fourth quarter after not playing him at all uh in the first three quarters i mean I don't know like that just seemed like an obvious go to kill patrick because he looked okay when he played yep. earlier in the game um but that was sort of your jason kid being jason Kidd moment and um you know it didn't hurt the bucks on the scoreboard necessarily they were actually a plus three in those five minutes with jet um that was while Giannis was out so um that was important buying time while Giannis was on the bench getting some rest um and uh and you know again but uh yeah ultimately i think just kind of wrapping it up i mean you know, it's a it's a frustrating game, Middleton. Unfortunately, this was like we've seen Middleton do this too much against Toronto, right? I mean, eighteen points, seventeen shots, though. Over four from three, um, did get a couple steals and a block, but you know, again, just. Felt like he was not bringing his A game, wasn't hitting open threes, and you know certainly if you got a little bit more out of him, then you feel like you've got enough from those big three guys. With Bloodso having a big scoring night, Giannis kind of not having a huge night, but doing enough, and and Middleton if he if he does a little bit more, obviously the margin uh, the margin this game probably is is different. So um, I don't know. Any other kind of big picture thoughts or or specific things you, you wanted to point out from this game?
1: I'm not sure what it is about the the Raptors guards, but I just feel like both the Rosen and Lowry are very handsy uh, and it gets Chris into uh, I guess a tizzy uh, I would say early in games where he just gets really frustrated by it and then he he does those Middleton plays where he'll try to bring his arms up through somebody real quick and and get a foul called and then when that doesn't happen, he gets frustrated and then tries to force it again another time and uh, just kind of gets himself into, uh, I just feel like, a, a bad place mentally. And then from from there, he's just kind of, I don't want to say a lost cause, because he, he did have some moments throughout the game, but uh, just, just not – not good stuff there. Uh and really just gets himself out of whack and uh you can see it like you said that if he is able to hit a couple more shots, if two of those threes he takes, he's over four from three tonight, if two of those go in, uh you're looking at a very different very different game. Uh so so I think that stands out. Uh Tony Snell, eighteen minutes for him tonight, uh minus fifteen in those eighteen minutes and as I saw DeRozan go for twenty, twenty-one in the first quarter, I can't remember which one it was. Um, I, I kept thinking to myself about the conversation we had this summer when when the Bucks signed Tony is that there's a difference between being uh like a competent defender and being an Andre Robertson defender. In that like Tony's there. Yeah. Like he's definitely contesting all of DeRozan's shots. Like there's no doubt about it. Like he he's right there in his face but that doesn't really affect DeMar DeRozan. Like, you have to be able to do something more. You have to be able to strip it. You have to be able to be physical with him. You have to be able to deny him. You have to be able to do something above and beyond just being there to contest him. And, and it just felt like as I watched that first quarter, it was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that this can happen sometimes when, when Tony is covering a, a really strong player. And obviously it, that was huge because DeRozan got loose early and then goes for a franchise record. And uh, you do wonder if earlier in the game, if he's able to make him a little bit more uncomfortable, maybe he doesn't start to feel like quite as much there. Uh, so uh, I, I know there's, I think some people worried that, well, Deli shouldn't have played the last, uh, I guess, four minutes left in the, in regulation, they decided to go small with Middleton re-entering in the game. So I think Delhi probably plays something like the last, oh, probably the last 15 minutes or so of the game, maybe even more. Um, and why not bring Tony back in? And, and I think to me, the biggest help that would have been, would have been probably offensively late in those final four minutes. And then in the five minutes of overtime in that you're spacing the floor better, uh, with Tony, cause he has that quick trigger, but, Defensively, I don't think he he does too much uh, to Demar Derozan uh, to really pester him or annoy him. So um, that that was a, a weird quirk. But I, again, I thought Delhi was doing enough nice things. He has six points and ten assists tonight uh, and five rebounds as well. That that I thought you could probably justify having him out on the floor and. Uh, playing him 29 minutes like you did tonight so um i thought that was kind of interesting the the Delvadova over snell decision which i think everyone kind of got upset with uh during the playoffs last year certainly certainly as the series went on uh and delhi's quote-unquote effectiveness as a screener uh wore off a little bit and you kind of needed that shooting from tony snell uh so it was interesting that of course the night that they play the raptors that kind of all comes back to you uh, and and then I guess the 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 other thing, it's something we've talked about, but uh, Jason Kidd's willingness to go Giannis at center for the final nine minutes of the game. Five minutes of overtime and final four minutes of regulation Uh, wasn't something I was necessarily expecting. I I thought I caught the Raptors off guard, but uh, they did a nice job adjusting to it and kind of figuring out how to make it difficult on Giannis once again. So um, I think that would be about it for me, uh, unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about. No, live to fight another day
0: as podcasters. <laughs> um, yeah I mean this this is I mean it kind of this kind of reminds me of a, a number of other games right where the bucks um, probably compete you know score wise as well or better than you know nominally you'd expect based on records and things like that but the way they don't take advantage of chances leaves people I think justifiably very frustrated because you you can certainly see a way that they definitely could have closed this game out, and, and they're just not able to. And, you know, obviously that leads to a lot of the frustration just bubbling back up with, with Jason Kidd and coaching staff and, you know, why are you trapping late and doing all this other stuff. So, um, you know, again, I mean, it's it's kind of the same story in a lot of ways for this Bucks team. They, they in many ways, played up to uh, a high level of competition from, from an opponent. Certainly, you know, a night like DeRozan going for 52, Probably don't expect the Bucks to necessarily be competitive on that on that night like that. Yep. Given the Raptors are a better team anyway, but um, but again, it kind of a good reminder that I mean the Bucks have enough good players to compete with all these teams, and when they apply it, you know, consistently, then then they're trouble. But um, you know, obviously, the question is how do you get to that point? And you know, so far, the Bucks just aren't quite there.
1: Yeah, losses on the margins, very, very frustrating. Uh, just, just that idea that one play just going differently uh, could have changed the whole game. And obviously, we started this podcast talking with those about those kind of final couple plays in regulation. And uh, I would say that that is kind of what. My brain always circles back to just that Lowry doubling DeRozan and leaving Lowry wide right open like that. That one, I, I don't think uh, you're going to forget that one too easily um, or too quickly. And it was just a killer. So Bucks lose tonight, one thirty-one, one twenty-seven in overtime to the Toronto Raptors, uh, fifty-two points, a franchise record for DeMar DeRozan. Also twenty-six points, six rebounds, six assists for Kyle Lowry, and then the Bucks don't just don't have enough. Uh, Middleton, the quietest of the big three 18 points three rebounds to assist two steals uh Giannis, 26 points nine rebounds seven assists and blood so 29 points uh seven rebounds three assists and four steals in a losing effort so the bucks have just don't have quite enough in this one they'll be back at it again on wednesday at home against the indiana pacers we will talk a little bit about that tomorrow as we get you ready to go for that one for frank man this has been eric name this has been lockdown bucks we'll talk to you tomorrow